Koutou katoa, nau mai piki mai ki te putahi, ko matariki, ko te maramātaka, te kaupapo o tēnei hōtaka, we here with Rangi Mātāmua. Tēnā koe. Kia ora e hoa. Whānau, just give you a bit of a background. Professor Rangi Mātāmua is tūhoi, an Associate Dean Postgraduate at Waikato University's Faculty of Māori and Indigenous Studies. He's the author of the best-selling book, Matariki, the Star of the Year, o te reo Māori. Matariki te whetu tapu o te tau. It's written obviously in both English and Māori, but the big news is that Rangi has received the Prime Minister's Science Communications Prize. Te nā koe e Rangi, ngā mihi nui ki a koe. Thank you for coming on te pūtahi. Te nā koe e hoa, ngā mihi nui ki a koe o te rā ki te hunga mātaki mai nei tēnei kaupapa tātou. Thank you very much. Oh, kia ora e ho. Before we get into the Star Wars background screen there, <laughs> your web series has uh, a million viewers. Your Living by the Stars Facebook page has 30,000, I think, we reached just last week, viewers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, me, Haro, I wanted to start with a quote. And this is your quote. Um, I am not a scientist by a Western perspective of what science is, but I am a scientific practitioner from a Māori point of view. Just wondering if you could give us a bit of a background on that and how uh, your thoughts are, Gilda. Oh, I think uh, all Māori are scientists. Anyone that deals with any kind of um, Māori space in terms of te ao, weavers are scientists. Um, people that work in the bush are scientists. Um, Look, even to some extent, people at the marae cooking, they're scientists in their own right. I mean, there is empirical science within traditional Māori knowledge. You know, you don't navigate that expanse of ocean on myths and legends. You know, you don't come here and sink in with the rhythms, um, natural rhythms of the environment, name every single plant, insect, animal, understand their spawning cycles, um, thrive in a place like this, uh, implement new gardening and fishing techniques on myths and legends or narratives or pūrako, you do it on empirical science. But what our ancestors did is they um, didn't view science as being separate from everything else in the world. So they encompass scientific knowledge within cultural narrative, ceremony, religion, whakapapa, all of these things become part of our interconnected web of understanding and knowledge and science is a part of that and so I don't have any scientific training officially I'm not a astrophysicist um, by any stretch of the imagination but um, I still follow basic fundamental science principles observation mm. trial and error and um, I guess using what I've learned and been taught and learned and discovered and, and uh, having that as part of my own um, identity and, and sense of who I am. So mm. not a scientist, perhaps from a Western perspective, but from a Maori perspective, I think um, there are many, many of us that have always been scientists. There's that word tohu and tohunga. What are your thoughts? Because I know there's many tohu and we interpret those tohu as that's one of our modes, our Māori modes of uh, science. And it's also acknowledged as 
a tohunga is someone is have, but I'm talking to a tohunga, so be careful. <laughs> what is your uh, interpretation of the word tohunga, and how would that concept fit within the empirical science realm? At times, see tohunga. Um, for me, I I don't break words down often like that. I think it can be for me. That's just I know some people do. I don't. From my training I think that can be quite because you can make any word mean anything so I think there are compound words and then there are words that um, stand on their own right but tohunga for me is someone at many times who is just has the ability to interpret tohunga. you're right so they read signs they are able to understand right that star is in the sky I know at the next full moon that that tree is probably going to bloom so I make a connection to the star marking the season, the next lunar phase. There'll be a lot of water in the tree that plant will bloom. Therefore, if I am here three days after that, I should be able to catch a certain species of bird. You see, it's, it's these collective signs that start to feed into this greater knowledge base. Now, that's science. That's science. And just because we don't have lab coats and pocket protectors and... Um, and use uh, microscopes, it does not mean that we're not scientists. The other quote I'm really interested in of yours, it said, every evening when I'm out looking at the night sky, I'm looking for certain scientific, I'm looking for certain scientific elements in the sky, but I'm also looking at deity, genealogy, and traditional cultural narratives that are woven into the tapestry that is the night sky. So I, my question is, how has your journey been? What, what, how has shaping your life around the Maramataka Māori influenced you and, and how has it impacted your well-being, your haurora, your, your life? Um, for me, you see, this journey for me is not just, you know, it didn't start with me. You know, I'm the latest recipient of a line of traditional Māori astronomers from my own family and my own whakapapa mm. that I can trace back seven, eight generations, um, and six generations ago, an ancestor of mine took it upon himself to uh, record his knowledge in a 400-page manuscript, which he left, and this was in the late 1800s, which was handed to my grandfather, which was eventually handed to me. And so I have been really probably just doing something that I was born to do, I guess, in that case, in that, from that perspective. But I've also gone out and done my own research and um, been involved in different kaupapa and, you know, and, and undertaken research and written my own stuff. But on the back of my grandfather on his deathbed, when he said to me, look, the manuscript's an heirloom. He said, but the knowledge in that manuscript is nothing unless you share it. And so he gave me that task and his final words, and this is his whakatauki, knowledge that isn't shared isn't knowledge. It were his words that he said to me. And, so for the past 20 plus years, I've been working to disseminate knowledge around Māori astronomy, starting with Matariki, bit of Maramataka, but generally that space that is Māori astronomy. And so for me, you know, I look up into the night sky and I see those stars and I understand that they're giant balls of gas pulled together by gravity that are a hundred thousand, whatever, light years away from Earth that are hot, dense, different colours, different... Now, I get that. But I also look up at those stars and understand I'm connected to them. They are deity. They are my ancestors. And from a Western science point of view, people will say, that's ridiculous. We're not, we're not related to those stars. 
But you can go into any 101 astronomical program and they will tell you that every element that makes up our bodies, everything around us, even the air, the, the green stone that you have on, all of those mm. elements begin their life with inside a star that explodes outwards, everything. And how is that different from having whakapapa back to the stars, if that's where our origins are? I mean, you know, when uh, one thing that's wonderful about Māori narratives and Māori science, because I think it is science, is our story's never changed. We always say in the beginning, the sky and the earth were stuck together in an embrace that was not even light was inside it. Just like a singularity, um, infinite, infinitely hot and dense, that exploded outwards and gave us the cosmos. So that's one thing that, you know, irks me a little bit because if it's from a Western point of view, it's science, but if it's from a Maori point of view or an indigenous point of view, straight away it falls into this cultural myths and legends, you know, voodoo kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's funny because it's, it's that cultural lens that makes it unscientific from a Western perspective. Mm, very interesting. I just was having a corridor with some friends and we were talking about acknowledging tipuna or tupuna um, and around Matariki that maybe one time we want to acknowledge your tupuna and that some tupu, tupuna are seen in the stars. And they say, well, that sounds like religion. And I had no uh, immediate uh, response so I'm wondering what you would say in that scenario. You know, one of the things that I am, I am very, um, very cautious of is, um, is, is kind of talking about other people's religion or religious beliefs or practices in a negative way. I think, you know, people with spirituality and religious beliefs, because I have my own, you know, those are to be respected and, and, and acknowledged and, and um, if it was for me, you know, I people I say to them, yeah, those are those are giant balls of gas, but those are also my ancestors that were cast into the sky. And I'll say, well, that's religion. I'll say, yeah, because Maori, we don't separate out our fields of knowledge in that manner. Mm. Maori astronomy is astrology, is religion, is science, is karakia, is um, yeah, narrat cultural narratives. It's all of that. And that's, you know, I reckon science from a Western perspective must be so boring sometimes, you know, because it's so singular and one-dimensional. Whereas we can look at a tree and think, wow, big tree, you know, grows because of the nutrients and draws in carbon from the environment. But also my ancestor, you know, um, Cody tree, you know, related to the tohora. You know, we have, it's just so rich and meaningful. And, and I think that's one of the problems where Māori at times find it difficult to connect to science is because the meaning is sucked out of it. Because all it is at times is a periodic table and, um, and lab coats. And while, you know, I think that's cool, um, for us it's more than just the Big Bang Theory, right? It's, it's, um, there is this other connection that gives it a depth and meaning for us. So I don't think... There's anything wrong with merging those two spaces together. How do you approach the Maramataka Māori time concept of time and the Western Gregorian days? What's your whakaro there? 
So um, one of the first things that when you're trying to understand the maramataka and the, um, the maramataka afetu, which is really a lunistellar calendar system, hmm. uh, is to completely throw away the Western solar Gregorian calendar system because they are incompatible. So, um, you know, we follow this 364.25 day year, which is um, the Gregorian gets its name from Pope Gregory the 13th, who improved upon the Julian or the Julius Caesar calendar. Um, and he added in that quarter, which every four years and around February, I think we add in a day. Leap year. Yeah, leap year, intercalation mm-hmm. or intercalary. So it puts in that extra day. Now, if you follow a lunar calendar system, it's only 354 days long. That's how many lunar phases there are. So it's 11 days shorter. Right? Now, 11 days shorter in two years becomes 22 days shorter. And three years becomes 33 days shorter. So there's a slippage between the season or the position of the sun compared to the lunar month. And unless you uh, reconcile that slippage, what happens is your three years, you'll slip a month. Two year, uh, six years, you're two months, nine years, you're three months, and before long, you know, PPD, which is a winter month, you're celebrating it in December or in the middle of summer. Mm. What our ancestors and what my division of timekeeping system is so centered around the the observation of Matariki. Mm. Now, every three years, my Maramataka system inserts a 13th month into the calendar system just like the leap year happens every four years. Aye. You know, that 33-day that slips, aye, they aye. put in. And it's quite common. Many indigenous cultures had this process where they would insert extra months into the calendar system every three or so years um, to catch up. And how it happens is Matariki appears in the month of Pipiri, the lunar month, which is sometimes May, June, sometimes June, sometimes June, July depending upon what year you're in in that lunar cycle. In the first year, it's very high, and you have to view Matariki in the correct lunar month, which for me, my understanding is Tangaroa, the last quarter. So when Tangaroa is in the sky, Mm. Matariki is in the sky, in the month of Pipiri, Pipiri is also a star, you start your year. The next year, it's going to be lower after two years because it'll slip 22 days, but you'll still view it. On the third year, it's too close to the sun. So you're in the correct lunar month of the correct lunar phase. Matariki is not visible. That is a sign, straight science, right? You've slipped your uh-huh. day. You insert the extra month, which is Ruhanui, which happens this year. So we are actually in the month of Ruhanui at the moment. And by my read, Matariki has become visible but mm. don't celebrate it until you're in the correct lunar uh, cycle, in the correct lunar phase. So as a rule of thumb, the position of the sun where it rises on the eastern horizon and sets in the west gives you season. The uh, heliacal or pre-dawn stars that rise in the morning before the sun give you month. Puanga. Puanga gives you month. Takurua, but all of the names of the Māori months, Pipiri, Hongomoi, they're all stars in the sky. Oh, you can tell when that star is in the sky before the sun, which month you're around. But you wait to start your month when it goes to fetal, new moon. So month give you day and activity. 
star gives you month and um, the sun gives you season. So you have this kind of system of time. It's very fluid, very mm. environmentally driven. I think the difference between following a lunar calendar system and a solar calendar system, when you follow the lunar calendar system, like our ancestors, the environment dictates to you when it's ready and you fit your lifestyle into the natural rhythms of the environment. You follow a solar year, you dictate to the environment when you're ready, right? So we say to the world, we want to celebrate New Year's on the 1st of Jan because we're ready. But that's not how our ancestors followed time and year. That's how I reconcile the lunar calendar and the solar calendar. It's very much a position of we are in the world as part of the world or we are ruling the world and we determine. And, and really, you know, it's living that environmentally lunar, solar, stellar calendar system makes you um, realize your part in the environment and in the world. And that's why, that's where your knowledge base comes from. You're living it. Your timekeeping system is built around your environment. Everything that makes you survive is built around your environment. So your cultural understandings, your practices, your ideologies fit within that understanding. Mm. When you have a system of time where it's universalized and it doesn't take in any case, uh, you know, mm. location, environment. I mean, we celebrate Christmas. We talk about Santa and reindeer and snow. <laughs> That's got no connection to where we are in the world. Mm. And so when your time gets colonized like that, you start to think, no, I have the right to dictate to the environment when I'm ready. And that's pretty much the difference between, for me, between those two timekeeping systems. I first learned about that when I was talking to uh, one of the voyages who'd been on one of the waka. And he said, you know, I've never been out in the ocean. There's no land. And here I am, totally at the whim of Tangaroa and Tawhiri Matea. And then I realized that I was a speck and you know <laughs> and so when i heard the story i never i realized that i had never frequently had that happen you know and our time is dictated by the flow of the city the business cycle nine to five and well you know we, we're, we're so ingrained into believing we work from monday to friday mm. and rest saturday and sunday now you know from a maramataka perspective sometimes the worst days of the week to work are the weekdays mm. and the best days to work are the weekends. That's, you know, so if you've got four days of kore kore in the week, that's not a good time to be at work, you know? And so that's that environment, but still we force ourselves to go against that environmental kind of indicator because mm. we're locked into this universal Monday to Friday, nine to five. That's when we mm. go to work, you know, and it is very controlling on the way we interact with our world. Mm. Mm. What's your whakaaro on the emotional impact of the maramataka on somebody and how they may be personally feeling about their own confidence, their own modi, their own wairua? What's your insight and learning about the maramataka on ourselves, on our hauoratanga and our whakaaro? Mm. The maramataka is very influential over... Um, um, the emotions and moods of people. 
there is a phrase, ronga, rona whakamautai. Rona, the controller of the tides. You know, mm. it doesn't take too much um, to see that, you know, you go down and watch um, the moon rise uh, and it pulls trillions of litres of water from one side of the planet to the other. And then when it goes to the other side, it pulls it all the other way. So rona whakamautai, rona, or the moon, controller of tides, is also another saying, rona whakamau kareāroto. Rona, the controller of emotions. And really, if it's able to draw, so kareāroto means to, means to kare, what's that, to, to ripple. The ripples inside, like water. Hmm. If it can pull trillions of litres of water from one side of the planet to the other, imagine what it, what it does to the water that's inside you or the kare kare. Uh, the emotions that are inside you and some people more than others if I'm honest my understanding it is a very very much so connected to females um, and that's my tribal understanding um, not all are the same but I understand from my tribal narrative that um, uh, hina or rona or marama is a female and is very as closely connected to um, females but yes, I totally agree. And I watch that happen. Sometimes your moods will change and then they'll change in the middle of the day or the middle of the night, depending upon the position of the moon. There are some people in the Maramataka um, um, space that know more about that than I do. And mm. I particularly refer to um, a Northland Komatua by the name of Rereata Makiha. And Rereata is a, um, is, a, is a maramataka expert. There's others out there doing awesome work in that space, um, but he's one of my favourites, uh, him, uh, Ricky Solomon, uh, Liliana Clark, some of the people working in that space that are really connected to, um, to the maramataka. We were watching your videos on Whakamoe Tau, and I was wondering if you could give us a little bit of background on that. Uh, Whakamoe Tau, what is it? So the word tau, and we say uh, things today like hari huri tau, happy, new, uh, happy, happy birthday. So tau has come to signify year. But if you go to a Williams Dictionary, you'll actually see that originally the word tau is applied to season. So it's not year out. Ancestors really didn't go from year to year as opposed to sister, uh, season to season. Mm. Whakamoi doesn't mean to put to sleep. Um, in this sense, it means to marry, or in this term, whakamoitau means to understand or know the seasons, to connect the seasons. And it was uh, a practice that tohunga would do when they would see certain signs. They'd realize, okay, um, this bird has come back early. Um, the um, Looking at the mountain, the snow is just not low as it was last year when that star rose and with the sun. So we're going to have an early summer this year. So it might be an idea to prepare our gardens early. So they would get together and have a hui about the signs and they would whakamoitau. So they would put into place the seasons and they would say, right, we're going to plant our gardens probably a little bit earlier this year, not in... Um, uh, not, you know, in later on, uh, mm. in the later spring, but mid-spring, um, because we're not going to get a, a frost again because the signs are this bird's come back. And so they would say, okay, so we're going to harvest, hopefully, around this period of time, which means we need to build 
another storage house because we're going to have extra kai this year. So they would whakamoitau. That's the concept of whakamoitau is the putting into place your seasons. Um, it might be like, well, e um, we're going to have a longer winter, shorter summer this year. Doesn't look good, so we're going to have to focus on a lot of fishing this year. So that's when you read your environment and really set in place what your year is going to be like. And from a Māori perspective, no year is the same. Right? There are slight variations every year. And our ancestors were incredible. Their depth of knowledge about the environment is incredible. Species of eel, birds, seasons, plants, flowers. You know, it's in our narratives, it's in our kōrero. Kei roto i te reo Māori e takotoana. It's in our language. Right. And so, um, yeah, that's what whakamoitau is, and that's some of the messages we're trying to put out uh, in that web series. Yeah, kia ora. So hui whakamoitau is really uh, re-establishing a regular check-in with the, the tohu and, and then using that as a method to, to apply that to our life. So it's really the practice of enshrining the maramataka in your, your daily being. Okay, mm. well, that's it. That's, that's right. Oh, awesome. Can I sign up for the next hui whakamoito? <laughs> are we going to do online Zoom whakamoito hui? Or how, do you, how are you working with us at the moment? Well, I've got a couple of um, programs coming out. I've got one called Beyond Matariki that comes out on the 16th of July, mm. which is a documentary about Matariki. And then um, I'm writing a book at the moment, uh, following on from my Matariki book, which is my big book, which I hope to put all thousand Māori star names that I've, you know, the different constellations, all accorded or I have. But my long-term goal is to um, um, establish an institute of Māori astronomy, a whare kōkōrangi, uh, where I hope to be able to really support um, the teaching of a new generation into the space and um, to be able to really walk the line of understanding science, but also understanding our cultural narratives in this space. And um, yeah, so that's really, <laughs> I don't know, what I'm hoping to do. And i uh, just really keen to have anyone along who's interested. Oh, kia ora. Lots of us interested. Lots right. of us. Wonderful book, and congratulations on winning the Prime Minister's Science Communication Award. Kia ora, ehoa. And thank you for imparting your Matauranga, your insights, uh, really, really helpful for me. So, tenakwe, thank you, Rangi. Kia ora, ho, and hey, well done on this platform. Really enjoying the knowledge that you're putting out, and, and kia kahara. Uh, keep it up. It's really awesome to have spaces and places Aye. where we can uh, wānanga and we can call it all and share our, our collective knowledge. So, tēnei te mihi nui kia koe, ho. Oh, tenakwe, kia ora, thank you. Have you got a whakatauki to wrap up our hōtaka tēnei rā? Yes, yes. Uh, so there's a whakatauki uh, that says, ko tātai arorangi te kai arataki te rā, which means uh, the astronomical bodies uh, dictated our daily lives. So sun, moon, stars, and all those objects in the sky really dictated how Māori live their day-to-day -day lives, um, their monthly lives, their whakamoitau, their yearly lives, 
our timekeeping system and our whole view of the world is very colonized. That some of the work that we're doing collectively can help to reestablish that whakatauki as a as a normal part of our, our lives in the future. Alright, <laughs> 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 <laughs>